joyful. And we want to talk about joyfulness. Have you ever noticed that bad news weighs more than good news? That's right. You get good news, you say, oh, that's great. You get bad news, and it can just kind of ruin the whole day. It just weighs heavily upon you. You know they tell us if you go to a restaurant and you like the food, you like the service, you'll tell one or two people. If you go to a restaurant and you don't like the food or service, you're going to tell ten people. That's right. Have you ever noticed at work that you get compliments from day to day, but if you get one criticism, it weighs heavily upon you, and you remember the criticism, and you sometimes we don't remember all the other compliments. I know pastoring, uh, you can preach a 30-minute message, and people say amen, but there's one thing they don't like. That'll be the one thing they remember about and talk about lunch. You know the pastor said today, and I didn't agree with this, it'll be the one part of their lunch conversation. Do you know you you have a bad hair moment. You ever get a bad haircut and just mess up your whole week? You just mess up your life? You think, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to deal with this? Bad news just, just weighs heavily on us. If you hear something that's not good, it just seems to affect your mood and your disposition. Also, have you noticed that bad news travels faster than good news? Yeah. Bad news, it, just, it goes around the workplace so quickly. But good news, you may hear about it a week longer. There's a, there's a celebration in Texas called Juneteenth. June 19th every year is Juneteenth, and it's celebrated in Texas. It's the, when the news of the Emancipation Proclamation that was issued by Abraham Lincoln, freeing all slaves, when the news got to Texas and it was celebrated Juneteenth. The thing about it was, that was two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. It took two and a half years for good news to get to Texas. Wow. I think we just have that tendency in life that we can allow bad news or disappointing news to live in our heart. Well, I want to talk to you today about joyful news. There is joyful news, and I want you to walk out today. I want you to be reminded during this season there is joyful news. Now, there is a study of happiness, and they tell us in the study of happiness there's two kinds of happiness. There's natural happiness, and there's synthetic happiness. Natural and synthetic. I'm going to call it conditional and created happiness, two kinds of happiness. Now, conditional happiness is based upon the conditions of your life. For example, if you're doing year-end finals at college or semester finals at college and you get an A, oh, wow, I got an A. That's a condition that happened and it'll make you happy. Uh, if you get a raise in pay, that will make you happy, the condition of your life. Something happened in your life, a birthday party, someone buys you lunch, you get your favorite concert ticket, you're driving down the road, and you see uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, and that red sign is on. It says hot. And you say, thank you, Jesus. See, I knew God You wanted me to have a dozen hot donuts right now. The conditions happen. And our happiness is based upon that particular experience in life. That's called conditional or natural happiness. Interesting enough, in the study, they discovered that 10% of your happiness will come from conditional or natural happiness. In other words, if you wait for something good to happen, just good news, it'll be your birthday, your anniversary, your Christmas, and your raise and pay. You'll have very few things that will just make you 10% of your life will be happy, and the other 90%
will under-deliver and you'll be disappointed about in life. But there's another kind of happiness that's not the conditional happiness. I call it created happiness, created happiness. And the interesting thing about created happiness, every one of us have the capacity to do this. Now, in your brain, the, the frontal cortex, the frontal lobe of your brain is where this occurs. Now, it's not in the animal kingdom. This is interesting. You see, you, were not ev- you didn't evolve. God created you. God wired you to get out of the dumps. And in the frontal cortex of the brain, there is what some people call a simulator. You know, like a, an uh, airline pilot, he will, he will practice in a flight simulator. He will rehearse things in the simulator so when the challenge comes in life, he knows what to deal with it and he's not overwhelmed and it's not a crisis because he has practiced it ahead of time well you and I in our brain we have a little simulator in the front and that's where imagination is and in that God has pre-wired us with spirit and when things come and challenges come we have the ability to see the good, the brighter side of it. This was what I believe Solomon meant when he wrote in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in your heart. That is to say, when something in life happens you don't like, you have the ability to rise above that and see the good in it. It is created happiness. It's not the condition that you are walking through or the experience that you're encountering at that moment. You have the ability to create. You have the ability to imagine things being better. Example of that. For perhaps you were out shopping and you had picked a certain automobile or an outfit or a pair of shoes or phone or something and you've been saving for it and planning, I'm going to buy this and you go to buy it and they don't have it. They're out of stock or they discontinued it. You say, oh my goodness, that's what I want and you're disappointed and you buy it. And then we've all probably had this experience that three months later we're saying, you know what? I actually like this better than I like the one I was going to get. I like this color. I like this model. I like this one better. It's called impact bias. It's that simulator. We have the ability, and God created us with this, desi- this ability to rise above it and to see the good in it and like it. It's the friendship you thought. You know what? I'd, when I first met them, I didn't think I was going to like them. But you know what? Now we're the best friends. We're so close. We enjoy each other so much. Perhaps a career. You thought I would, I never thought I would be good at this. I never thought I would enjoy it. And finally I applied, I got the job, and I'm in the best career of my life. Again, it's that simulator. You are creating your happiness as God has wired you. Some of us were in church today two years ago. Two years ago, you would have never come to church. You didn't enjoy church. The thought of going to church was the most most miserable experience of your life. Church is boring. I don't want to be a part of that. I I, I will never go there. And now you're coming and your heart is inspired and faith is growing. Guess what? God has put within us the ability to rise above circumstances, to take something that's less than ideal, and the spirit in us, that image of God in us, we rise above that. This is what the book of Nehemiah says when it says, do not grieve, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's saying that you can take bad news and turn bad news into good news, into joyful news, because God has created something in you, the Spirit of God in in you to rise above that. And I'm here today to tell you there is joyful news, every one of us. It has nothing to do 
with your stock portfolio, has nothing to do with the economy, has nothing to do with the weather, has nothing to do with circumstance. It has nothing to do with what you may or may not get for Christmas this year. God has given you something to rise above and to create happiness and joy in your heart. It's a gift God put inside of you, and there is joyful news today. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2, we have the account of the birth of Jesus when the angels come to the shepherds. And I want to read these verses to you because I think they speak to us today about joyful news. Let's read together. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. I like that. Not just for first century people, for all people. Not just for people who are in church today, but for all people. Not for people who have no problems, but for all people. Not for those who are unemployed, and he skips those who are unemployed. No, for all people. Every individual, God says, I have good news, and it's great joy to all people. What is this good news? Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be your sign you will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Now, what impresses me about this is the Bible says the angels went to the shepherds. To appreciate this, you need to understand the culture of that day. The shepherds were the lower class. The shepherds were not the aristocrat. They were not the people of prestige. And when God wanted to bring good news, he brought good news to the people who rarely had good news or perhaps never had good news. He didn't go to the, to the princes. He didn't go to the palace. He didn't go to the wealthy. He went to the, to the bottom scale of life. You see, shepherds of that day were what we would call the, the day laborers. They were on the bottom scale of life. They were not even educated. Shepherds could not read and write. Do you know that I can probably prove to you in Scripture that David of the Old Testament could not read and write. He was a shepherd, always out in the field. He never got education. They were to lower scale. But what does God do? God goes to the shepherds and he says, shepherds, you don't get good news. Most of the time, the good news passes you by. But this is for all people. It's for the the high and the mighty, it's for the wealthy, but it's for you. But I'm going to come and I'm going to reach to the lowest part of life and I'm going to tell you so you can experience it, that you would know there's good news in your life. But what impresses me about Luke chapter 2 and the account of the birth of Jesus, there's one word missing. There's one word that's not in the text. It's one syllable, two letters but it's not in Scripture. It's the word if. If. Some of us, we're living an if experience. You're saying, if I get the job, if things work out, if, if I get the scholarship, if we go to counseling, if this occurs, you, you have an if in your life. There is no if with God. For a moment, let me just read again 
the scripture I shared with you, but I'm going to put an if in it. See how it alters the message. And there were shepherds living in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. If only an angel of the Lord could come to them and appear to them. If only they were not terrified. The angel would say to them, if only you were not afraid. If only there was good news. If you put an if in that, it alters the message. It changes everything that's being said there. But there is no if with God. And some of us, our walk with God is conditional joy. Yes, conditional. If this could happen, if things work out, if I get the new job, if I get promoted, if I get a diagnosis from the doctor, if I make the good grade, if we have if, 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 and if these things happen, I will, I will get good news and I can have joy in God saying, your joy is not based upon an if. Your joy is created by God. And God brings good news. And he said, you have the ability to latch onto that good news and create good news in your life. You see, God has no second thoughts about you. You're not an afterthought with God. Let me put it this way. Jesus will not move out. Jesus will not walk out. Jesus won't check out. Jesus won't drop out in your life. There is no condition that God's going to wash his hand of you and say, I'm done with you. But, 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 Pastor, I didn't do, and if I'd only tried harder, if I'd only prayed more, if I'd only put more energy in, if I'd have only went to church early, if I'd only got on the right track sooner, God has no if with you. He is saying in your life today, there's good news of great joy for all people. For unto you is born this day a Savior Christ the Lord. And I want to deposit this truth in your heart today that Jesus is better than we dared to believe. Put that in your spirit. Jesus is better than you dared to believe. The New Testament puts, puts it like this. Better than we could ask or think. More than we could ask or think. Think about how good you might think God is. And whatever scale you in whatever dimension you think God is good, guess what? He's even better than that. He is better than you dared to believe. Oh, the angel would go to Mary and say, you're with child. But Mary, it's better than you think. It's going to be the Savior of the world. The angel goes, Gabriel goes to Joseph and said, you're your fiance, she's with child. He says, oh, no, I know I'm not the father. But the angel says, it's better than you can imagine. It's not a scandal. It's going to be the salvation of the world. The shepherds, news comes to them. The Bible says they were terrified. Here's what the angel said. Don't be afraid. Guess what? This is better than you can imagine. In every condition of life, God is showing up. And he's proving himself he's better than you ever imagined. I like what Timothy Keller put in his book. He said, we are more sinful and flawed than we will admit. But God is more loving and accepting than we dare to believe. Oh, I like that. Oh, I look at my life. Oh, I have failures, mistakes, flaws, shortcomings. I, 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 I measure and, I'm, and I'm, I'm below the minimum. I'm, I'm way down here. Does God eliminate me? Does God overlook me? No. Guess what? 
God is better than I can imagine. He takes me from the, the guttermost to the uttermost. God retrieves his arms, stretches down. He said, you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't merit it. It's my grace, and I redeem you. And he lifts us up and gives us a new beginning. Other things and other people can let you down. Oh, yes. Have, have you ever bought a, uh, an extended warranty? And it says, it says, completely covers everything. But the one thing that goes wrong is not covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you mean it says everything? You didn't read the fine print. It's the fine print that will, that will kick you in the shins, right? It's the fine print that takes it away. I remember when Denise and I, we, we were married, we were moving into our first apartment. And it was a furnished apartment. Why? Because we didn't have any furniture. You know, <laughs> We moved in this uh, one-bedroom furnished apartment. Had had shag green, lime green carpet. Now, oh, you, you think yuck now, but that was, that was cool during those days. That was cool. And you would rake. How many of you remember raking your carpet? You remember any shag carpet people? Remember those days we'd have to rake the carpet? But the bed, the bed in the... And the one-bedroom apartment was uncomfortable. They put the cheapest mattress and box springs in there, but it was uncomfortable. What is wrong? I mean, it seemed like we were always sinking in the middle. And I looked under the bed, and the box spring was broken, and they had put a brick underneath it to keep the box springs from collapsing in the middle. Can I tell you, that experience under-delivered. We were so happy to get one day to get our own, to buy our own mattress and box springs. Experiences can under-deliver. Yes. Yes. You ever gone on a vacation and it was supposed to be the best and ended up being the worst? Uh, Denise and I, we took a cruise one time. And it, it was going to be great. Look at this. It's a deal of a lifetime. We can't pass it up. Really? We can both go for that amount. Man, it is, I don't know why they're doing it. It must be a mistake. Let's sign up. Let's go. It, it's going to be great. And we discovered why they give a discount during that time. It's hurricane season. <laughs> yeah. We got on the boat, and there was a hurricane in the Gulf, Hurricane Isidore. One of our ports we couldn't go to. You couldn't go out on the deck. The wind was blowing. And, and it was stormy, and you'd walk down the, the hallways holding on to the handrails, and, and, and Denise has a propensity to get sick. It was miserable experience. The brochure looked great, but the experience way under-delivered. That happens in life. But I want you to know with Jesus, he's better than you can dare to believe. You think he can forgive? Yes, he can. You think Jesus can work in your life? Yes, he can. You think God can do something with you? Yes, he can. Do you think God can give you a purpose? Yes, he can. But pastor, I've messed up. I've done, I've done, I've done. Count it all together. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all unrighteousness and frees us. The angels told the shepherds, unto you this day is born a, a Savior. I'm glad he didn't say an inspector. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. An auditor. Do you want somebody to audit every mistake you made? No. For unto you was born a Savior. He's Christ the Lord. I'll tell you, before I met Jesus, mom took us to church. Honestly, honestly, 
I thought church was boring. I saw God as an agitated parent. You know, that parent that's just looking for you to make a mistake, to scold you or ground you. That was kind of my perception of God. So when I would go to church in Sunday school, I, I, you know, I really wasn't interested. And in those days, we went to Sunday school, went to church, went Sunday night. And we'd go Sunday night, I would sit in the very back of the church on the right-hand side. There were two sets of, of pews in the church and these big windows. And for air conditioning, you would open the window, put a hymn book to keep it open and so that the breeze blow through. That was our air conditioning in those days. But I would sit in the back row Sunday night on the right-hand side because right next to the church was a drive-in theater. So during service, while the pastor's preaching and they're singing, I would sit there and look out of the window. And I, couldn't, I couldn't hear it, but I was, I was trying to figure out what the movie was always. I was, I was watching the movie right there. You know, it was the first online experience, online church. I was, I, was, I, was viewing, I was viewing it right out, but I couldn't hear anything. You know, I, I, just, I just, I wasn't interested, but something happened. I went to a youth camp and I met somebody called Jesus. And I went down the altar and I, and I prayed, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I need something. And I remember, I, I can't explain it. 14-year-old, you, you don't have the language. But God did something in my heart. I just felt like my whole life turned new. I, 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 I felt like I had a purpose. I, I felt like there was all the dread and the emptiness and the anger and aimlessness of life washed away from my life. And Jesus changed my life. And I discovered that he was better than I ever imagined. I just never knew how good God was. And he'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for you with church online or here in the room. There's one name we sing about it a while ago. When you call on the name of Jesus, <laughs> and I tell you, you have access. You have access to the Lord. And this, this one we talk about, Jesus, he forgives. He's better than you can ever imagine. Why? Because there's not a regret that God cannot redeem. There is not a regret that God cannot redeem. And some of us, you're in church today and church online, but there are regrets. You haven't spoken it. You don't really say it, but it has hampered your worship. It has, has kept you in a, what you feel like is in a second-class citizenship in the kingdom. You don't pray big prayers. You're not ambitious about the things of God because of the shame and the guilt of something in your past. Perhaps it's a mistake you made in a former marriage, every divorcee, you can testify, guess what? God, God can redeem you from your regrets. The blood of Jesus can cleanse you, that God's able to save you and lift you out of that. There's a lady that you've got a, a choice that you made years ago with the pregnancy that you terminated, and you've regretted it your whole life. And you've carried the, the sting of that in your heart and in your spirit. And you've, you've always felt like that, that God's kept you in, the, in, a, in a category of damaged goods. You see, you have conditional joy. If only, if only at this, if, if only I had done it different. There was no if with the shepherds. 
He just said, I bring you good news of great joy. And God's in the business of redeeming our regrets. God gives us a clear picture in the Old Testament. And all of this points to Jesus. Jesus was crucified as a Savior on the cross on the the time called the Passover, the Day of Atonement. He was our sacrifice, and He paid for our sin. And throughout the Old Testament, they would practice the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, and it was on the Day of Sacrifice, the Day of Atonement, that all the sins of all the people were, were forgiven. But God did something unique and special on the Day of Atonement, and it was called the scapegoat. That's a phraseology we have in our language today. Scape, what is it? After the lamb was sacrificed, and the high priest would tell everybody, your sins are forgiven, they would bring the scapegoat. And the scapegoat was right in front of the high priest, and he'd put his hands on it, and he would confess all the sins of the people on the scapegoat. Yeah. For all the injustices, all the doubts, all the fears, all the sins. If today it'd be, well, Denise didn't treat Pastor good enough this year. We confess all the sins, all the mistakes, all this, everything. Everything you've done, every mistake, every failure, every sin, every doubt, every secret thing is confessed upon the scapegoat. What would happen to the scapegoat? Bible said he was set free in the wilderness never to be retrieved so what is God teaching us the sacrifice on the day of atonement God forgives the scapegoat God forgets you're remembering something that God has no idea what you're talking about but God I sin God says I don't see that The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you, has freed you. You're you're reminding God of stuff he's forgot. That blows my mind. The Bible says that God takes our sin and he casts it in the sea of forgetfulness. Literally, God cannot remember what you've repented of. But you're carrying the grief, the shame, the guilt of that. And you've been freed. I want to pray with you. I'm going to invite church online. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads right now. And the name of Jesus gives you access to God's forgiveness and God's complete freedom. So I'm going to ask you to pray right now. Jesus, some of us need to pray. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, I, I haven't seen you as the loving, benevolent God. I've seen you as angry and a God of reprimand. But I've heard today that you're a God that redeems. And I invite Jesus into my heart. And some of you are doing that right now. You're getting access to forgiveness through Jesus. But many of us need to procure freedom from shame, guilt, and condemnation. How do you do that? You remind yourself today you're forgiven. The cross of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, forgives and he lifts, he lifts the stigma of sin off of us.
And God today, free people's minds and hearts from that stigma, from that self-judgment, from the toxic condemnation that we put ourselves under. That lady that is haunted by a memory, that man that has made a mistake, that divorcee that has been has, has tormented and punished himself or herself for the past mistake. God, free them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, here's what I want you to do. We're going to, I don't want you to leave yet because I have a special gift for you at the end, but I'm going to invite you to stand together with me and we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate in the Christmas carol. You need to know there's good news. There's joyful news. And Jesus is much better than you ever imagined. With that in mind, Pastor Lindsay, lead us. Let's celebrate the goodness of God.